Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with men. We are glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. Covenant blessing of prosperity. And anytime a preacher or the church talks about prosperity, there are several reactions that happen. The first reaction that you will get is that, you know, there are some people who get really excited when they hear the covenant relationship that, yes, we are going to be talking about money and everybody's going to be, you know, and the Lord is going to teach us how to be able to make money. And then there are times when we hear that, but when the preacher makes, mentions it, you know, you say, ah, these people have come again. Eh? You see people rolling their eyes, you know, and you see those kind of emotions revealed here. Say, these people have come again. It's all about money. It's all about money. And you know, the funniest thing is this: any time somebody comes to church who doesn't like the idea of preachers talking about money, eh? the first day they go to church, guess what the pastor is talking about? Money. <laughs> and then the man will say, "I told you, these people don't have anything else they talk about. It's only money." <laughs> You know, so there are people who have that kind of mindset. Anytime they hear, they come, oh, these people have come again. These people have come again. You know, and then not only that, then there's another group of people. As soon as they hear the word, well, as soon as the pastor starts talking about this issue of prosperity and money, they just they just tune the pastor off. You know, this one has come, they just tune him off. So if we move to the next one, you see, no, no, no. Yeah, they, they either do something like this or they go to the next one, they just start playing with their phones. You know, so those are the kind of reactions that you get in the church. Okay, the question is, why do we get this kind of reactions? Why do we get this kind of reactions? Why do we have this mixed emotion about the subject? Okay, a subject that you know that is so central to the propagation of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why do people have this kind of reaction? Okay, there are a number of reasons why we have this kind of mixed reactions in the church. Okay, the first reason is because the subject has been abused by prosperity preachers. Every minute you see them talking, it's like if you they always instead of preaching the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, they're always talking about the kind of message. They, 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 somebody who just who just shook their hand and gave them a million, or somebody when they turned their back, they got a million. You know, they start talking about they have abused this particular topic that people are now turned on. The second reason why people are why people are you know have this mixed emotion is because there's this overemphasizing, there's this overemphasis on the issue of prosperity. It's like all the Bible, the only thing inside the Bible is just money, and that is what turns people away. The third reason you find is that there is a gap. There is a gap between the promises that the preachers tell us and the realities that we have. They tell us some a preacher will come and say, Yeah, the spirit of the Lord is telling me that if somebody give me a thousand dollar here right now, by tomorrow you are going to get the you are going to get five hundred thousand dollars. And then we you know people sorry, don't want five hundred thousand, you want five hundred thousand dollars. That one that one is much, much better. Five hundred thousand dollars. Anyhow, so that you have that kind of money. In the process, a lot of people have stepped out in that faith. A lot of people have responded to this particular call. They've given a thousand, they've given a ten thousand, they've given a hundred thousand, and they have not seen the result. The only thing that they find is that there is a gap between the promises that they are hearing and the fulfillment of those promises. That's why they are, that's why anytime that message comes up they are completely disconnected. They are completely disconnected. Not only that, 
The other reason why people have mixed emotion about the subject of prosperity in the church is because they have this feeling of deception that these people are simply deceiving us. They are not telling us the truth. They are simply giving us a sales gimmick. And because of that deception, they get turned off. And then finally, because there is a perception that the only people who benefit from this prosperity preaching are the preachers themselves. And that's why the preachers have the jet. There's nothing wrong with the preacher having a jet. That's why the preachers have the mansions and the Bentleys. There's nothing wrong with the preacher having a mansion and a Bentley. The only problem is that people have this impression that when preachers talk about prosperity, the only people who actually benefit from that prosperity is the preachers. And the members of the church are not benefiting. And that is why the, a church will build a university and members of the church cannot even afford to attend those universities. That's why a preacher, you see, a preacher will be living large and members of his church are, living, are, not, are, not, are not living. You know, they are not up to par. The reason is because people have this impression that the preachers are playing a number on them. And that is why there is this emotion, there is this mixed emotion when people talk about the issue of prosperity in the church. Now, these are many more reasons. There are so many other reasons we can continue to number them. It all depends on the people that you talk to. But one thing we want us to understand is this. That should not be the case. If you read the scriptures, the Lord God Almighty was very clear on the issue of money, on the issue of prosperity, on the prosperity of his own people. And if you read that Deuteronomy 28, it tells you very clearly there. It says, you shall live in abundance. You shall, have, you shall be above and not beneath. You shall be blessed when you go and you shall be blessed when you come in. The fruit of your hands shall be, the fruit of your hands shall be, blessed, shall, shall be blessed. Whatever you lay your hands upon shall prosper. These are the promises of the Almighty God. The question now is this. Why are we hearing, reading about all these promises and we are not seeing the realities in our lives. One thing I want you to understand is here, here at Lifelong Anointing Church, we believe that prosperity of the believer is the will of God. That the intention and the plan of God for his people is that they live in abundance and live in a, you know, that they will not lack, that they will not be the people who will be begging. Now, while we may not emphasize it every Sunday, we might not make it the subject of our messages, because I think it's the very first time, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, for those of you who have been with us for a while, this is the first time that I will be speaking on the issue of prosperity, on the issue of money or anything. This is about the very first time. The reason is not because we are allergic to money. Okay? We are not allergic to money. Because it takes money to keep the lights on, it takes money to keep this thing going. But we believe in the prosperity that God, the intention of the Almighty God for His people is that they should be prosper. And we are convinced that God wants His people to prosper. And if you read the book of the, if we can support it in the scripture. The Bible tells us in the book of Third John, Third John verse 2. He said, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Not only that, if you read the book of Psalms, Psalm 12, Psalm 35, reading from verse number 27, the Bible tells us there. It said, let them shout for joy and be glad. Who favor my righteous cause? And let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified. Who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant? In other words, the Lord is happy in the prosperity of his own people. In other words, God does not want his people to be walking about begging bread. He wants his people to be the people who will be the ones who are lending unto nations. Who will be the people who are the people who are, who are the decision makers. Who sit at the gates and make a difference. Not the people who are begging for bread. In other words, prosperity is the will of God for his people. And as a result, God has encoded that prosperity. He has encoded it in the many blessings that he gives to the people who have a covenant relationship with him. Okay? Deuteronomy 28. Reading from verse number 1, the Bible tells us there. Now, it shall come to pass. 
If you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you on high above all nations of the earth. That is not poverty. Okay? That is not poverty. In verse number 2, you say, and all these blessings, okay, all these blessings shall come upon you. It's not just to come upon you. He said it will overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. In other words, the Lord is saying that when you walk with me, I will not only bless you. I will bless you that other people will know that you are a blessed person. I will bless you so that everywhere you go, people will know that you are blessed. I used to make a joke and tell people, when the really the, the money that matters doesn't make noise. You know that? The money that really, really matters doesn't make noise. If I have a hundred dollar in my pocket now, you wouldn't even know. But if I have twenty-five cents in my pocket, no, fifty cents because two of them will meet. You start hitting my pocket like you're making the noise. The money that you can hear the sound is not money. It's not proper money. Serious money don't make noise. You know that. <laughs> but that's the story for another day. The Lord is saying that I will, bring, you know, all these blessings will come upon you. And they will overtake you. Because you obey the voice of the Lord. Here in this passage, the scripture is telling us, this is a classic blessing that the Lord Almighty wants his people to have. And the question then is that, what is this thing that we are talking about? What is this thing called prosperity? How do you connect with the blessings of prosperity that God is making available for us? How do you stop that particular flow of prosperity? And what are the things that you do that will cause the Lord God Almighty to open the floodgate of heaven over your life? These are many questions and the things that we are going to be exploring in the next couple of weeks. Okay? So let's start from the very beginning. What is prosperity? According to the dictionary, the Bible, the dictionary makes us to understand that prosperity is the state of being successful. Of flourishing or thriving. In other words, in your own chosen field, when you are flourishing, it means that you are prospering. It means that when you are thriving in your calling, that you are prospering. It means that when whatever you lay your hands upon to do and you are successful in that area, it means that you are prospering. Okay? The question then is, what does prosperity mean for a Christian? What does prosperity mean for a Christian? I tell people, prosperity is not all about money. Prosperity is the holistic view that God has for his own children. Okay? What does prosperity mean for his children? For, 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 the, for the children of God. Prosperity to the believer is a three-dimensional issue. Okay? It's on three levels. The first level is the physical prosperity. The Bible says that which above all things that you may prosper and you be in health, even as your soul prosper. There's a, there's, a, there's a three level to the prosperity that God wants to give to his children. The first one is the physical prosperity. When you are physically prosperous, and everybody knows, when they see you, they know, yes, this man has eaten. You know, back home, just a digression. If you see a rich man in, you know, where we, in, the, in, the, in the neck of the wood where we come from, how do you know? The man is very fat. Okay? And he has this pot belly. If it comes to America here, they will look at him and say they probably have this to put you on diet because something is wrong with that system. Okay, but when you see a rich man here, what do you see? The man is very, is very friendly, like he's very thin. Okay, if you take the rich man in America, take him to Nigeria, they begin to wonder: Is the wife not feeding this man properly? Because something is wrong with this man. A rich man is supposed to be fat, but the point you are making is that physical prosperity. Is what the Lord, you know, is what is, is the will of the Almighty God for the Almighty, for, for His people. Number two, there is also material prosperity. Okay, material prosperity, such that the materials that you need to be able to make life comfortable, to be able to be a blessing to other people, to be able to enrich the lives of the people that come in contact with you, the Lord is saying that it's not that you only physically prosperous, you should be materially prosperous. In other words, you have the resources of heaven available unto you. Not only that, then you have the spiritual prosperity. 
spiritual prosperity such that you are not only physically prosperous you are not only materially prosperous but spiritually you have the command of heaven that when you speak heaven is at attention when you speak the resource of heaven is available unto you and that is why if you read one of the guiding verses of the scripture that we use in this church is in Luke chapter 2 verse 52 the Bible says Jesus increased in wisdom he increased in knowledge he increased in stature in favor with God and in favor with man that is all round prosperity all around prosperity because it means socially the man is not isolated anywhere he go people follow him if he throws the party is the block party everywhere is covered I mean there is a jam everywhere people will sign up because they want to perform at his party that is what is called social prosperity physically Jesus Christ went into the temple and in defeat single handedly overturned the tables of the money changer he was not a pushover he was not a pushover in other words, if you meet him in an alley, you better take time. He can knock you down, except of course he's the son of God, he doesn't fight. You know? But the issue, the point I'm making is that he was all around success. All around success. And when it comes to the issue of money, and when they were talking about paying tithes, he said, no, he doesn't have to carry the money. He has the fish as his bank. All he has to do is cast the right one and there's money inside. The point we are making is that there's all around success, all around prosperity. That is what the Lord Almighty wants for his people. So for the believer, prosperity is not one dimensional. It's not what you have in the bank. It's more than that. Yes, what you have in the bank is important. But he's talking about your physical well-being. He's talking about your social well-being. He's talking about your emotional well-being. Your mental well-being. Your spiritual well-being, an aura, the holistic view is a, is, a, is a holistic view of what the believer is supposed to be. That's why Jesus Christ said in the book of Mark chapter, uh, chapter 8, reading from verse number 36. Mark 8, reading from verse number 36. The Bible says that, what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? In other words, if your prosperity is skewed in only one direction... You have the material blessing, you have the physical blessing, but you don't have the spiritual blessing. Jesus Christ is saying that you are a poor man. If you have a particular area of prosperity, but it's not holistic, that it's not complete, it means that you are not living the full prosperity that God wants for his own people. God is not against prosperity, please. God is not against riches. God is not a poverty God, okay? God wants us to have a but He wants us to have a balanced life. That is why He gave us the covenant of covenant of blessings of prosperity, the covenant blessings of prosperity. And what is this covenant blessing of prosperity? What is this covenant blessing of prosperity? The covenant blessing of prosperity is the assurance that God gives to those who are in covenant relationship with Him that He will supply their needs and prosper the work of their hands. That is the covenant that He has made. That if you walk with me, if you stay with me, if you align yourself with me, the Bible is saying that God is making a promise unto you that he will not only supply the needs, but he will prosper whatever you lay your hands upon to do. And that's what Jesus was saying in Matthew chapter three, verses, uh, Matthew 6, 23. He said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. You just make sure you align yourself with the Almighty God. Stay where He wants you to stay. Do what He wants you to do. Speak the things He wants you to speak. Relate with the people He wants you to relate with. And then see how God will act on your behalf. He says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. And then all the other things that people are running after, say all those other things will be added unto you. Okay? A covenant blessing of prosperity assures the believer that if the believer does what he, the believer, is supposed to do, God will do what God only can do. 
The Bible tells us, the psalmist was saying, he said, there is no point you staying all night. He said, unless the Lord gives increase, you are laboring in vain. And that is why if you come into a covenant relationship with the Almighty God, God is saying, you stay up and do what you're supposed to do. I'm going to pour my blessing upon it. Such that you will be doing, you'll be, you'll be reaping more than you sow. You'll be earning more than you deserve. You'll be having more favor than the rest of the people around you. Every covenant promise that God gives requires a two-part agreement. The first part is that you do your part and God will do his part. Every covenant promise operates on some basic principles. And that is where Christians have problem. Not understanding the basic principles that make the covenant promises of the Almighty God to be fulfilled. Many people want to be healthy. Many people want to have the six abs. Okay? You want to, they want to be able to go to the, uh, go to the, what do you call it? Go to the beach. You know, and take off their shirt and just throw like that. You know, and have the snowmobile camera following them. You know, and things like that. But how many of them want to go to the gym? Nobody! Nobody wants to go to the gym. Nobody wants to eat right. You want to eat, uh, what do you call it? You want to eat a burger every morning, every, every day. You know, which is nice. I used to tell people that life is short. You eat ice cream first before food. But, you know, that's, you know, but that's a story for another day. The point I'm trying to make is this. That God himself is a covenant-keeping God. In other words, you have to do your part. And then God will do his own part. But many people don't understand the principles behind some of these covenant promises. And the principles, if you violate them, it will not work. You can have the preachers preach over, lay hands on you until your head becomes like my own like this. Okay? They lay hands on you until there's nothing left in there. But you will not, there will be no prosperity if you don't follow the principles. There are principles of the Bible, there are principles in the word of God that upon which these covenants operate. And to, be, and to benefit from the covenant, God's covenant promises, you must obey these promises. Covenant promises of, of prosperity is not an exception. You have, to be, you have to follow those principles. You have to obey them. Okay? And to benefit from this covenant, from the covenant promise of blessings of prosperity, you must not only understand the promises upon which they are operate, you must also be willing to practice them. Okay? So now let's take a look at some of the principles upon which this covenant is based upon. I'm going to outline 10 of them for you very quickly. If you read the book of Exodus chapter 20, uh, sorry, the first principle is the principle of productive labor. The principle of productive labor. Exodus 20 Reading from verse number 9. The Bible tells us there, it says, Six days thou shalt labor and do all thy work. Now, there are some people who believe that walking is a cause. Okay? They believe that walking is a cause. That if you go and walk, you are not supposed to be walking. We are a child of the kingdom. We are supposed to sit down and go. That is a lie. <laughs> because the Bible says that you are supposed to walk six days. And the seventh day you are supposed to rest. And the interesting thing about this, about this issue of work is that work is not a cause. Work was instituted even before the fall of man. Before Adam sinned, work was already in existence. So if you go to work, if you are a child of God, you are supposed to be the best worker where you find yourself. The unfortunate thing is that if you go to most establishments and you see people who call themselves Christians, they are the laziest set of people there. And then you look at them and then you bring, they, they bring disrepute to the name of the Almighty God. But I, I digress. What I'm saying in essence is that Bible makes us to understand that work is not a cause. Work was instituted before the fall. And if you read Genesis chapter 2, reading from verse number 15, the Bible tells us there. It said the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. He gave him a walk. Adam was not just sitting there in, in, uh, in Eden 
wearing that long, uh, what do you call it? Wearing that long uh, Roman robe, having that, uh, what do you call that, reed upon his head, and it was just floating on clouds, and just singing Kubaya with Eve. And that, that was not their job. They were seriously busy people. Work is not a curse. It is a blessing that God, it is what the Lord uses to open the channel of blessing for his people. So you see, work, like I said, God instituted that particular work. God ordained it as a means of blessing his people. That's what work is. And the better, you, the, 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 the more productive work you do, the better chances of you doing what? Of you being prosperous. Bible tells us in the book of 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. It said that if for even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any should not walk, neither should he eat. In other words, the Bible is the Bible is completely opposed to laziness. Bible hates it. If you read the book of Proverbs, you will see it there. He said, who is the child that brings that bring, uh, disgrace to their parents? He's a lazy child. The one that says, I'll wake up later. I will do it tomorrow. I will do it tomorrow. He said, that's the one that brings disrepute. So, Bible is very, very clear on the principle of prosperity. The first principle of prosperity is the principle of productive labor. Get engaged. Walk. Walk does not kill. I wish this, you know, they, 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 this generation will understand that work does not kill. People who work, always, they, they have a chance of what? Of, be, of bettering themselves. Second principle, principle number two, is the principle of stewardship. The principle of stewardship. You cannot sustain and increase what you cannot manage. The resources that you cannot, that you cannot manage, there's no way you can increase that resource. And there's no way you can sustain that particular resource. And that is why the people who get what? The people who get uh, uh, who win lottery if you take their statistics they always go back to where they started from because they have not learned the discipline of how to make and keep money. They have not learned that discipline. And until you learn the discipline of making and keeping money, you will not be able to multiply it. So the principle of still worship in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 Reading from verse number one, the Bible makes us to understand. It says, let, uh, let a man so account us as one of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Stewardship is the careful and responsible management of something entrusted to our care. The money that God has given you the opportunity to have, the things that God has put in your care, the Lord expects you to manage it properly. And that's what he told Adam. He said, manage that particular land. Manage that place, that real estate that is called Eden. When you manage it, they say they multiply it. Replenish the earth. What that means is that, when you, whatever you do in Eden, take that particular thing and reproduce it all over the world. If you have not done a good job in Eden, you will not be able to do it any other place. If you have not managed your own personal resources, it's going to be very difficult for you to replicate it. You cannot prosper until you understand the principle of prosperity, that you, can, that you cannot you cannot prosper until you understand that prosperity is a function of effective management of resources, both personal and corporate, whatever level of. And to effectively manage your resources, you must understand four basic concepts about stewardship. The first concept is the concept of ownership. You must understand that whatever you get, whatever you have does not belong to you; it belongs to the Almighty God. And that's why the Bible tells us in the book of Psalm 24, verse 1. It said, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So whatever you are given, 
Whatever you have the opportunity to manage, it is not yours, it belongs to the Almighty God. Number two is the concept of personal responsibility. You are responsible for the resources that God placed in your care. Whether human, whether material, whatever resources that God has given to you, you are responsible for it. Number three is the concept of accountability. You are going to account for it. Whether directly or indirectly, you will account for it. And number four is the concept of reward. When you manage your resources properly, the Lord God Almighty promises that He was going to add on to you. You remember the parable of the you remember the parable of the steward in the, in, the, in the scripture. The Bible says that when the master was traveling, he gave one talent. The parable of the talent, sorry, he gave one five, he gave one two, and he gave one one. The one that managed the five was able to receive more. The concept of reward tells us that if you are able to manage, that's why the rich get richer. It's no secret. It's not magic. It's the secret of we is the concept of reward. They understand that you know how to manage resources, and because you know how to manage resources, more will be committed into your care. But if you cannot manage one, why would I give you two? That is why the rich gets richer. It has nothing to do with whether you are white or black or colored or anything. It has nothing to do with it. It has everything to do with your ability to manage what God has given to you. The Bible tells us that faithful stewards. Who do the master's will will receive a reward in heaven. Not just in heaven, but here on earth. So you see, the covenant of prosperity is not only not only rests on the on the principle of productive labor, it also rests on the principle of stewardship. Number three, the principles of prosperity is the principle of seed, the seed principle. The seed principle. There can be no harvest if there is no seed. It's not possible. There can be no harvest unless there is a seed. And that is why if you go to Walmart and you buy the seedless grape, you will never be able to produce seedless grape in your house. Because there is no seed to produce it. Okay? The only way you can produce grape in your house is when you buy a grape that has seed and you dry it and you prepare it and then you plant it. So there can be no harvest without a seed. In Isaiah 55, reading from verse number 10, the Bible tells us, For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and do not return there, but waters the earth and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Look at the arrangement of word in the scripture. The seed comes first before what? The, before, you know, before the bread will follow. Unless you have the seed, there will be no bread. You have to have a seed. There can be no harvest without the seed that is planted. A man who consumes his seed is a man who will have no harvest. Okay? And there are several elements of seed, but we'll go to that later as we when we, when we dig deep. But the Bible makes us to understand the importance of seed. If you read Genesis chapter 1, reading from verse number 11, the Bible tells us there. It says, Then God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, and the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit, according to his kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth. And it was so. When the Lord was making these things, because God does not want to keep creating every time. What God did was simply take the seed of the things he has created and put the seed in those materials. So that when the time comes, when there is time for them to reproduce, God doesn't have to create the trees all over again. doesn't have to create the animals all over again. Those seed that is already embedded in the trees and in the animals, those trees, those seeds will not begin to produce for the next generation. And that is what the Lord is doing for individuals. God doesn't want you to continue to labor and labor and labor and labor. He wants you to prosper. That if you plant the right seed, and the seed begin to go, and, the, and that particular seed that you planted begin to germinate, it should give you harvests that will be, you know, 
that will reduce your effort of replanting and replanting every time. That's why, no, why would the Lord do that? The reason is because without the seed, there is no future. Without the seed, you know, without seed, productivity is truncated. Without the seed, you will become dependent on others for sustenance. If there are no seeds. And that is why if you look at the areas of Africa where there is drought, the government will have to go and buy seeds for them so that they can plant. Because left alone, they don't have anything to be able to plant and they cannot sustain themselves. Without the seed, you will be dependent upon others for sustenance. And that's why the Bible tells us in the book of John chapter 12, reading from verse number 24, the Bible says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat falls to the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it dies, it brings forth much fruit. In other words, until you take that seed, that precious thing in your hand, and you release it to the ground, and when you release it, it uh, and let the earth do what it does with that particular seed, you, that seed is just going to be one in your hand. But as soon as you release it and it begins to do what it's supposed to do, it will grow up and the, at the end of the day, you will have at least a minimum on a corn, on an air corn, a minimum, at least three or four hundred other, other, other kernels on it. So the point the Lord is saying, unless a corn of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if it dies, it brings forth much fruit. The seed principle requires you that you must give up something to gain something. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening. Thank you.